to the Real Health Stories podcast by Health Storylines, where everyone has a story. Episode number one. My name is Zaina. I'm a pharmacist based in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm on a mission to bring people together by sharing their stories. This is our very first podcast here at Health Storylines, and so we're very excited especially because we have Beth Leonard here with us today. And Beth is from Leesburg, Virginia, and she's going to share her story and experience living with neuroendocrine cancer. So welcome, Beth. How are you doing today? I am doing okay. A little frustrated. Had some frustrating things happen today, but, you know, I always roll with the punches. So I'm here. I'm excited and and got my, my game hat on for you. Well, we love it. Keep your game hat on and and absolutely, we always have to roll with the punches. I'd love if we could start off a little bit by having you tell us about yourself. Absolutely. So I am a single mom. I have two sons and I do a lot of, well, I used to do a lot of aerial art, Cirque du Soleil type stuff, the silks, the the acro yoga, (laughs) and (laughs) a lot of fun, a lot of physical activity. And then I had taken up paddle boarding, which I absolutely love to do. But then I was diagnosed with neuroendocrine cancer in September of 2016. And things have changed a little bit over the last almost two years. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what your experience has been like so far? Absolutely. So I probably started experiencing things like reflux about 17 years ago. It started with my second son, pregnancy. And, you know, just thinking that that was related, but I stopped being able to drink things like orange juice and stuff I loved. And over the years, I just started having weird different symptoms. And starting at about 2011, I started having intermittent lower right quadrant abdominal pains. And I would go to the doctors, I'd go to the hospital thinking I had appendicitis. Right. And lo and behold, they kept saying, no, nothing is wrong with you. Right. And, um, Long story short, in the summer of 2016, I started having weird allergic reactions, itching of my neck, for example, and there was nothing there. And the abdominal pain became extremely consistent. And my doctor, my gastroenterologist, found out that my gallbladder randomly stopped working. And when that happened and she sent me to the surgeon, I insisted on the the surgeon taking my appendix out at the same time because I kept swearing up and down that my appendix had something wrong with it. Right. And after time and time again of him telling me that there was nothing wrong and dis- with my appendix and describing Occam's razor to me, uh, I finally actually convinced him to take my appendix at the same time as he took my gallbladder. Thank God he listened to me because it turned out it had a neuroendocrine tumor in it. Wow. That was the very start of my diagnosis. And so that's how you actually found out yes originally and it never showed up in any scans uh to begin with wow even more crazy my body just kept telling me something was wrong and the pain kept being very consistent and other people would notice why and question why were you digging into your side all of the time (laughs) with my hand because of the pain so, you had and, and the allergic reactions that you'd had, was this to foods or certain like drinks or what was it? That's a great question. Uh, over the last, per, or the previous uh, years before that, I would randomly have unexpected reactions to medications. And 
that particular day that set it off in about the June of 2016 timeframe, I had started a new medication several weeks, almost a month prior to that right. and did not have a reaction. They increased my dose, did not really have a reaction. But one day I'm in a meeting and I'm turning around to everybody going, is it hot in here? Or do you feel hot? Right. And I had all the, what looked like hives or flushing coming from my chest up through to my neck. Oh. And then I was having a hard time breathing. And so I went to the emergency room and they thought I had a anaphylactic reaction potentially to that medication. Right. And that was the start of looking at different allergies. And I do have environmental allergies as well, but it seems to be these random and unexpected allergic reactions to different medications or different skin sensitivities even. Right. And, and at some point, so after I was after they removed that and saw that and they told me that the margins were good and that I was cured and little did I know at that time that neuroendocrine cancer is not curable. Right. And as I started to research the information and found out that it wasn't and, and still was experiencing very weird and strange symptoms, neuropathy, left-sided numbness, very uh, interesting hives to even just taking a shower. So water would cause me to have hives. Wow. And I kept pushing and pushing and the second primary site was actually found about six months later uh, in my rectum via a colonoscopy. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like your body was trying to tell you something and no one could really understand what was going on, but because you were persistent and you knew that something was off, that's when you really started to get answers. That's correct. And when I was first diagnosed and you, you asked me my experience, so I'm very data driven. So I would stay up hours on hours on hours at night and never get any sleep because I was researching so many different sites, trying to find out information. Right. And after I was diagnosed with the first tumor, I knew based on that literature that it was not curable and that my symptoms were very similar to potentially carcinoid or maybe some other sort of immune reaction to um, my body fighting off cancers. Uh, and um, I originally went to a doctor um, after the first site was found, before the second site was found, but they were not neuroendocrine specialists. And at that time, I did not know such a thing existed. And they t thought that I perhaps had MS and that uh, I was cured of neuroendocrine cancer, but that I had potentially MS. And I, at that point I knew, I said, I couldn't possibly, I mean, nobody could be that unlucky <laughs> to have such, you know, random weird things happening already. And then to suddenly be told I have MS too. I just, I didn't buy it. So I kept pushing right around the time I got diagnosed with my second primary site that I was on Instagram of all places and had connected with a gentleman who, whose aunt passed away from neuroendocrine cancer. And he said, have you heard of Ronnie Allen? And I said, no, I have not. And apparently he's another blogger, like much like myself. And Ronnie had posted a book from the InterScience Institute in California, who does a lot of the blood work for those of us that have the, the, mic, the markers, the tumor markers. Yeah. And they wrote the book in conjunction with a doctor named Dr. Waltering. And 
everything that I had been researching was in one book. And it was like an ah moment. <laughs> you know, it was like a light bulb went off or the light was suddenly shining yeah. on me. And I said, oh my yeah. gosh, everything is in one location. Everything I thought I knew was in one document. Yeah. It's a very large document. So I decided to reach out to Dr. Waltering's office and, and get in with now what I know is a net cancer specialist. And in part of doing that as well, I connected with uh, the Carcinoid Cancer Foundation who helped drive uh, some of um, the information that I actually found and has kind of route, helped route me to where I am today. So that's good to hear. It sounds like you found some good resources and thanks for sharing the book, just in case we have others that are listening who also have neuroendocrine cancer. So what else do you do to manage it? What do you find helps? Well, when I was feeling so crazy, and because believe me, I felt so crazy for quite a long time, um, especially years of this ghost pain, if you will, yeah. and doctors telling me that there wasn't anything wrong, I begun to doubt myself. I began to, begun to think I was maybe a, a hypochondriac or uh, crazy even. Um, and I knew I wasn't a drug seeker, which some doctors even implied, which was so very disheartening. Oh, wow. And, and in all honesty, it made me avoid going to the doctor for a long period of time prior to and leading up to that consistent um, pain that I experienced. And I got some delays in care because of how it made me feel. Right. And after I was diagnosed and was dealing with so much neurological pain from that September through probably the March, April, May of 17 timeframe, I, I just, and I, I'm sorry, I just, you know, it was so overwhelming that one day I just decided, I think this fast forwarded to about the June timeframe maybe, I decided to write it down and started blogging and I created that blog living with neuroendocrine cancer on Facebook just more of a way to get my frustration my anger my sadness my fear all of that out on paper number one and then number two because everybody kept asking me my friends and my family what is going on now? What is the status now? What's happening with you? And I would be repeating the stories and I got to be exhausted from saying, you know, this is happening and it's not curable and being told, oh, just be positive or, right. oh, just pray to God or, oh, just do this. And they didn't know. So it was a way for me to get the word out to my friends and family in one fell swoop and also a way to get it out of my mind and to get it out from being jumbled up thought processes in my head. What about with health storylines? So there was an app that came out last year in 2017 and I downloaded it on my, my phone and uh, accessed it via the web. And it gives me the ability to track a bunch of various things in one location, maybe, you know, such as my stool diary, which everybody seems to want to know yeah. the status of. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good determinant of your health. But I think I started with like the mood. There's a mood function in there that's yeah. great. And yeah. it's so easy to do the moods because 
I'm feeling anxious today. And I just click a button and it's a smiley face or a sad face or an anxious face. And I click that and I say why I'm feeling that way and I can move on. Yeah. It's a quick down and dirty way to get, get it out. So I've actually really enjoyed utilizing health storylines. Yeah, that's great to hear. So with health storyline, just for those users that are listening right now that don't know what it is, it's a platform that helps anyone take care of themselves. So it's not just restricted to medications and symptoms, but it tracks things like your mood and how you feel. You can um, use it as your journal. There's a my journal section. You can track your food, your exercise. So it's really a holistic way to help take care of yourself. And um, so Beth, in terms of all of this, we've learned a little bit about how you manage your condition. You've been so brave to tell us about your story. So how does that relate back to you? Like, what are your personal health goals on this? Well, you know, you mentioned burden of treatment and, you know, there's a lot of doctor's appointments. There's a lot of medications that, you know, I have to talk, you know, take or to right. doctors that I have to see having so many different doctor's appointments and it can get very, very overwhelming. And for me, for my health goals specifically, um, was number one, to get into a stable point where we can get into a proactive monitoring state with my health. And proactive being whether that's, you know, looking for the tumors early enough to be able to remove them, uh, being able to be consistent with taking medications to even be able to document what things are happening here at home on a day-to-day -day basis so that I can take that information back to my doctors and give them some actual data points. Right. Not just, oh, I'm pretty sure I had this many stools, but it's pretty much my memory, based on my memory, which is horrible now, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually utilize to, to meet my health goals, I utilize health storylines to help track, you know, the, 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 the famous stool diary stuff and the symptoms that I'm having and the moods that I'm having, which are the top three things of my favorite, by the way, in the health storylines. Yeah. Getting stable is a health goal for me and being able to start exercising again better. Um, that, and, and making sure that I'm eating the right things to help minimize some of the symptoms as well. Yeah. Probably another goal. My next question for you relates to your physicians or your other healthcare providers. Is there something that they don't know about you that you wish that they did? Yes. And I think they're, they're actually, they're being um, taught by me actually. And I, I guess a couple things. Number one, Occam's razor, and I've mentioned that twice now in this interview, does not apply to me right. because not only do I have neuroendocrine cancer, but I also have Lynch syndrome, a rare genetic um, syndrome that increases uh, chances of color familial colorectal cancer. I'm also RH negative blood type, which is like 6% of the population or something crazy like that. Wow. And my body just acts different. And Dr. Waltering calls me the pink zebra with the blue polka dots. So, <laughs> so Occam's razor does not apply. So when they're interacting with me, new doctors, different doctors, even the same ones, they need to remember that I'm not the same as other people, that I 
you know, that the typical standard stuff isn't necessarily going to apply. Right. And most importantly, I do know my own body. My body found the tumors before any traditional medical scans found them. Right. Which is scary, is very scary, but I do not recommend foregoing them. I mean, I think the scans are critical and the colonoscopies are critical and the endoscopies are in the blood work and all of that is critical. But I am different and I'm different from you and I'm different from everybody who's listening in. And I think that that same thing applies to all the other doctors for all of the other patients. They need to be a little bit more open and receptive to um, thinking outside of the box. Yeah, and that just goes to show the importance of um, putting yourself first and understanding the importance of self-care and understanding you know, what quality of life means to you and tracking those things and, and really staying on top of it, seeing how your body reacts, not just to certain kinds of foods, but just kind of monitoring yourself throughout the day and noticing how you react to certain types of stimuli. So on that note, Beth, when I say the words quality of life, what does that mean to you? Is realizing that, you know, I always thought and, and, and I asked, this is actually my, my nickname at, at work, is Wonder Woman. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> and I don't do things by half measure. I tend to overdo stuff all of the time. <laughs> and, you know, I, I set my own bar. I mean, my boss doesn't even have to set the, the, the bar high for me or my, my friends or my family don't need to because I've probably said it about 10 times higher than they've even expected of me. Right, right. Which means I'm giving 150% in everything I do, but I've had to refocus and realize that I just can't do that. Yeah. I need to know, you know, so refocusing and rebaselining my own expectations of what my body can and cannot do compared to before is pretty important from a quality of life perspective learning and knowing when to say no yeah. learning and knowing when to ask for help has been important knowing that you know all of those Cirque du Soleil type aerial acrobatic stuff that I could do before it saddens me that I probably will not be able to do most of those things again and the quality of life that I had before versus now doesn't mean it's worse than before it just means that it's different than before right and so based on that to help with my own quality of life is making sure that i have enough time to sleep at night making sure that i have a consistent schedule making sure that one day of the weekend i'm not running around like a crazy mom um and and you know that i'm staying at home and resting every friday night my son and I, my youngest son and I, we come straight home. We don't go out. We eat at home if we can. And we watch a movie together or play board games on Friday nights. That sounds like a great Friday night. Exactly. It's peaceful and relaxing. But there's also knowing that there's a lot of experiences that I haven't experienced. There's a lot of things that I haven't done before. And quality of life doesn't have to mean hanging upside down. Uh, from a silk on a uh, on a uh, ceiling, but you know I've recently taken up knitting. I feel like the <laughs> I feel very funny saying that, but it's actually peaceful. My mind calms down. The anxiety washes away for a little bit. 
or I'll watercolor and the anxiety can go away for a little bit. So quality of, quality of life is, you know, obviously all the things we've talked about in terms of getting the right medical care, having the right medical team, having the health storylines to help me stay focused on what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis, but also spending time with my friends, spending time with my family. I've so to the record, uh, knitting is definitely back in. It is very cool now. There's a reason why people are buying those coloring books. Um, there's a reason why everyone is meditating and downloading Headspace and people are just are trying to take their time a little bit and just enjoy the smaller thing. Yes, exactly. And and sometimes I don't have to be knowing I don't have to be positive all the time, knowing that I do have anger and knowing that I do have anxiety and fear and there are days when I just need to cry. I mean, I recently posted on the blog about my endoscopy last Friday. And as I was going under from the anesthesia, I looked at my gastroenterologist and I looked at her and she looked at me with such compassion and kindness and love. And I felt it from her that I, all of the pent up frustration, anxiety and stress and, and, and so forth, just came out and I sobbed. I sobbed so hard. I cried and my nurse, my doctor, my nurse anesthetist, it was like this big group hug. And then they increased the medication and put me out. But <laughs> <laughs> it was, it felt good to cry. Yeah. I don't have to be happy all the time. I don't have to be superwoman or wonder woman all of the time. So going to therapy helps too. I do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Could you tell us about your experience as a self-care ambassador? Oh, that is so exciting. I have absolutely loved doing that. So self-care ambassador and what that kind of means, at least from my perspective, is that I am supporting uh, and promoting the health storylines um, tool and the tools within, but I'm utilizing my platform, my blog, to do what I already love to do, and that's to get, number one, to get the, the emotions and everything else out and, and try to encourage myself to have these challenges that I can meet each week, maybe trying different foods or getting more rest or, or spending time with family, etc. But it's been a way for me to give back, and giving back to the community is very, very important to me. And it has allowed me to find a purpose in life that I knew was there somewhere, but taking all of that quality, the statistical analysis, the data culling that I had have done, the information that I have found, the knowledge that I have learned, and being able to share and convey that information to other people who are experiencing the same things or similar things that I am going through is so rewarding. Yeah. It, it, you know, people have been reaching out to me from across the United States, across the world even. I'm making new friends. I am sharing experiences. I am helping other people and encouraging them to also utilize the Health Storylines tool. And it's been phenomenal for me from an emotional perspective, um, probably more than you would realize, Zena. And I appreciate the um, ability and capability to be able to do that. Well, we love having you as part of a family and we've been hearing a lot of really amazing things about you as well. Um, you've helped a lot of people and I, I have a feeling this is just the beginning. So 
Thank you. You're welcome. I have Thank one you. more question for you though. Of course. Do you have any advice for people that are listening, whether or not they have the exact same condition that you do or not? Do you have any advice for other people just surrounding their quality of life or how to help take care of themselves? Yes, I do actually. First and foremost, you know your own body. You know what you're feeling, you know how you're feeling. So continue to pay attention to what that is. I would recommend using health storylines to actually track that information, whether it's the basic mood or the in-depth journaling or the symptom tracking, it really does make a difference. It really does help. As well as find something that takes your mind off of the day-to-day stress of dealing with number one, cancer, but number two, an incurable cancer. Whether that's knitting or paddleboarding or doing nothing or taking a walk, whatever that is that helps you, listening to classical music, etc. Whatever that is, find something that takes your mind off of that stress. Setting aside time on each hour throughout the day. And finally, the last thing I would recommend is find a buddy, someone you know who's going through or can understand what you're going through or is going through something similar, maybe a support group or something like that. Just having the knowledge that somebody else is experiencing or understanding or knowing what you're going through makes a difference. I think doing what we've talked about today really does make a difference. And you definitely um, made that very clear for us and to everyone that's listening. And this has been a really, really great first podcast episode. Beth, I'm so glad that we decided to feature you. And thank you so much for allowing me to, to take a deep dive into your life and for sharing your personal story and your struggles and everything that you're going through and and know that there are a lot of other people that are also going through the, a very similar thing, whether it's with net or with something else. Um, I do want to tell everyone to visit Beth's blog on Facebook. It's www.facebook.com slash live with nets and she also shares regular health challenges using health storylines on that Facebook page so definitely check her out she posts lots of pictures and videos and if you want to use health storylines go to healthstorylines.com or download it on the Google Play or App Store it's free and um, let us know if you have any questions so Beth thank you again for sharing a little bit more about yourself Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. And stay tuned for our next episode, everyone.